I'm Claire Edwards, and you're listening to Raw Authentic Leadership, a series of conversations, insights, and inspirations with leaders who are real, raw, and authentic. Today, I bring you such an insightful conversation with Jeanette Allen Hill on the topic of leading with grit and grace. My conversation with Jeanette could have gone in any direction as every time she answered a question, another gem of a story of leadership philosophy unfolded. Our conversation begins with Jeanette sharing how her earliest of decisions to carve a deliberate, eclectic leadership career has shaped her journey of working across the globe in the public and private sector. Enjoy. Jeanette Allam-Hill, as we speak, is in transition, having just left her position as Group Executive for Business Performance for the Sunshine Coast Council, and soon to be, very soon to be, taking up a position with Boston Consulting Group, commuting from the Sunshine Coast to Canberra, when the planes start flying again. Jeanette was recently named the winner of the 2020 Telstra Queensland Business Women's Public Sector and Academia Award from a field of 22,000 entrants. Her response to the win? It just confirms I'm doing the right thing, being authentic, brave and courageous, but doing it with kindness and heart. Oh my goodness, how much I love that. If you're a regular listener to Authentic Leadership, you'll know exactly why I'm so excited to be in conversation with Jeanette. So let's just get straight to it. Jeanette, welcome to Authentic Leadership. Thank you so much for having me. I, what an incredible title. That in itself absolutely attracted me to having an opportunity to talk to you. So thank you. It's an honour. Oh, lovely. That makes my heart sing, Jeanette. Thank you. Now, um, I, I thought I normally start with um, with an easy question and a background question, but I've just, just decided to throw you straight in it um, because, you know, reading through reading through your career, it's, you know, gosh, talk about um, an eclectic career portfolio, to say the least. So senior roles in telecoms, IT, state government, consulting, local government. And, and I'm always I'm always hugely curious about people who've been successful in leadership in both in both government and the private sector. So, Jeanette, I mean, if there was I know it's a bit tough, but if there was one thread that you could weave through all of your leadership positions, one trait or attribute that that actually makes the industry sector irrelevant, what would that be? That's a brilliant question. And thank you so much for starting with an incredibly hard question. Um, No, not at all. I love it. And and I know you're right. I love it when you said eclectic because, you know, often in my early career, I used to get that from recruiters. Um, I don't so much now um, because it really was an incredibly deliberate path for me and it always has been. Um, It started early sort of when I had a mentor in my Microsoft days who really mentored us and Microsoft did as well on being strengths-based leaders and when you ask me a you know a trade or an attribute that has gone all the way through every single role I've had it started with that so not only has every career choice I made been incredibly deliberate um, based on what I wanted my end point to be but in every single role I've started with what are my strengths what are my top five strengths what am I good at and how do I make sure that I choose a role that allows me to 
shine in regards to those strengths. So that's been really deliberate all the way through. So even when I look at roles, Claire, I'll look at them based on the fact that mm. that, that they allow very well to to my top five strengths and then maybe my my 10 strengths um and even if there's a couple that don't um i will make sure that i look at people around me um to fill in those things that that i don't have so strengths would be something that would absolutely be all the way through um the other very big thing for me and has got better with time um, is, you know, who I stand for as a leader and looking at roles and organisations that really promote authentic leadership, that see leadership as being a key to success in the organisation um, and, you know, and organisations that I know that I can have an opportunity to influence in regards to the power of great leadership in, in an organisation's ability to deliver. Um, so those are things I always look for in regards to what would pull me through in every single role that I've done. Oh, fabulous. And I can just imagine, I can just, I can just imagine you in an interview and where you're pretty much interviewing the interviewer and asking them about the culture of leadership <laughs> in the organisation to do things like that. Yes. <laughs> That really does happen. And it was funny when you asked me the question I was thinking about when I took the role at um, Sunshine Coast Council. Um, one of the reasons I took it, you know, the two paths you talk about, you know, the the, the deliberate endpoint for me, you know, I had a great mentor who talked about um, my career as being pieces of a puzzle. So for me, when I think about the choices I make, I've been very deliberate to go private. I've been deliberate to go public. I've been deliberate to go depth and breadth of public. So state, federal, local. Um, so when I was looking for my next step, which was local government, I was looking for, you know, things that were important to me, like a really good budget. I had an $848 million budget, um, you know, a good size leadership team to, to lead and manage, you know, the, the, the backbone of an organisation, a really good corporate services portfolio that was sort of broad and deep and could really impact the organisation. But above and beyond that, I was looking mm -hmm. for leadership. And what really attracted me to Sunshine Coast Council, as part of the um, interview pack, they sent me their leadership charter, which had been pulled together and worked with them through Ben Delta. Um, and it was the most incredible leadership charter. It talked about the value set of leadership and what they wanted their leaders to be and how they wanted their leaders to role model and all the all the traits that really attracted me in regards to my ability to lead. And that was one of the reasons that I continued to explore that opportunity because of that leadership charter and knowing that I could do it and bring value to it. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's strong. And so I'd love to go back to... In your opening, when you talked about your mentor at Microsoft and, and Microsoft having that strengths-based approach, what, mm. what were some of those core strengths that your mentor helped develop in you and, and, and those core strengths that have taken you all the way through your leadership career? Yeah, that's a great idea. And it's Gallup Strength Finder. So anybody who's listening who's really interested in, you know, determining your strengths, but also I've now moved on to doing strengths-based leadership, um, that, you know, for me, those those learnings are just so incredibly powerful in regards to how you can lead. Um, and you actually do a self-assessment. So it's not that you develop the strengths. It, it tells you what your strengths are. Um, so, you know, what are my top five strengths? So my number one strength 
is strategic. So that's my ability to very clearly see what the future looks like and, and be able to see how I get there. Um, another one of my strengths is maximizer. So I like to take everything and make it great. So that's a bit of a transformation skill. My third strength is relator, mm -hmm. which means that I love people. I love developing. I love bringing people along a journey. My fourth strength is focus. So my ability to get the task done. And my fifth strength is communication. So my ability to articulate. Um, so they, they are who I am. Um, so to develop them at you, that's just experience and time. And sometimes, you know, I might do something that helps me with strategy from an innovation framework perspective, but they're who I who my makeup and developing it is just about spending time actually doing things that really enhance yeah. those skills. And, and when I look at those five skills, this makes now absolute sense. All the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. If you look at the balance between strategic maximizer and focus, and then you've got mm. that relator and communication, that basically sums up that your your philosophy of leading with grit and grace because oh, you've got that balance true. that's um, so true no one's ever said it like that and that really <laughs> resonates with me actually I just I was thinking about that because the strengths sit in quadrants um in Gallup so they sit in you know quadrants that are about delivery quadrants that are about people quadrants that are about stakeholder and and I over over the years have really made sure that I'm developing the strengths in all of those but when you said that I was like you know what you're completely right those strengths do align to the way that I function and the way that I think because they're who I am I love that connection thank you for that I'm going to use that is that okay I like that <laughs> absolutely absolutely I'd love to sort of um, explore a little bit more now is that because I, I suppose in my experience um I've come across a lot of leaders who've maybe struggled a little bit with that, with that even balance. And, and the whole essence of authentic leadership is about um, being in conversation with leaders who demonstrate those 21st century leadership skills of, of balancing the, the strategic and the human, the courage and the vulnerability. And so yeah. if we just separate that and grace for one moment, Jeanette, what, yeah. what does leading with grit mean to you? I'm just picking up my brand new little puppy who's barking her lungs out at my feet. Um, so, <laughs> so apologies, <laughs> listeners, for the little puppy barking, but she's um, she's decided she'd like to bark at my feet. Um, yeah, you know, That's leading cool. with grit I, and grace. I love, right? I love yeah, it's it's reality, isn't it? You know, and I think that's that's a bit of authenticity too, isn't it? To not pretend something isn't happening when it is. Um, there you go. There's a little life set lesson. So for me, you know, and I think everybody would have different definitions of what grit and grace mean for them. Um, so I think it's really important to start with what they mean for me, and then talk a little bit about how do you balance them and why they're important. So for listeners who are thinking about, oh, I really like this concept of grit and grace. You know, think about what it might mean for you in regards to your strengths and how you lead and what resonates with you because the way I think about it might not resonate with you and therefore it's not going to be effective. But, you know, in, in summary, grit for me, I always say, is being brave, gutsy and courageous. And they're the words that I learnt when I was working at Boston. Um, they were talking a lot about um, 
women in leadership and characteristics and those three words really really resonated with me in regards to what grit might mean um, and then I thought about it more deeply and I thought for me what that means is knowing that great with great power comes great responsibility um, and that's how that resonates with me you know that I'm brave enough every day to bring my true self um, but for some people you know other parts of that grit can be things like having a vision having determination having resilience to be able to recover quickly that's a really big one for me um, you know being able to learn quickly having courage to stand up um, so my greatest advice would be translate it to what it means for you words that really resonate with you and for me it's brave gutsy and courageous and knowing that with great power comes great responsibility and holding myself accountable for being authentic um, and then grace wow. for me, okay. you know, I think about yeah. before we go. Yeah, sorry, Jeanette. Before, before we go on to grace, because okay. I'm, I'm, I'd really like to delve a little bit into this. And um, uh, so, just for for people who are listening, I I get a series of questions and I and I send them to who I'm in conversation with, but we often end up going down a completely different route. Um, so if I'm putting you on the spot, Jeanette. Are you able to think of an example where calling on that that courage, the, those guts, that being brave, um made a significant difference into maybe a move in your career or a decision you had to make? Where where where's where's grit really helped you? <laughs> Uh, it's a great question, Claire. I think grit helps you in everything. You know, I was trying to think of a specific example for you because there's probably been one, many in every single role I've had. Um, for me, it translates into, you know, I think early in your career, and, you know, this is a generic example, but probably early in my career I would do mentoring and, uh, you know, I might have had some opportunities to speak at conferences and I would get up and say, you know, the behaviour you walk past is the behaviour you accept or, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And never really had, particularly Microsoft days, because, you know, that was an organisation that sort of flexed with who you are. They developed you, they let you move into different roles. You know, being a leader and being led was paramount. Um, so it was always such a phenomenal experience for me. I never really felt, besides my ability to deliver, that, that grit or standing up for anything was what I needed because we were trained in courageous conversations so you would be very comfortable in going to somebody and saying look I'm not uh, that doesn't sit well with me or I don't like how that happened and we would have all been trained on how you have those conversations um I made a very informed decision to come back to um, Australia. My, my dad was unwell, so we moved back from the UK where I was working for Microsoft, and I made a very informed decision to start working with the public sector um, based on some great advice from my mentor on making sure that I had private and public and I had depth and breadth of both. Um, so when I came back, I had an opportunity to continue working for Microsoft, which would have been like, you know, working in the best organisation known to man for the rest of my life, which you know, lots of my friends have done or circled back and gone back to Microsoft. Um, so that would have been a very comfortable decision. I had an opportunity to start as the head of customer service for NRMA, which also would have been a relatively comfortable position, um, or start a contract with the organisation that's now Transport for New South Wales, which was called Railcorp. Um, I took Railcorp. Mm -hmm. um, 
And for me, the contrast between Microsoft's culture and maybe the culture of Railcorp was was vast. Um, in that new organisation, I had lots of opportunities to really practice the things that I had stood up for. You know, I was I was very comfortable in Microsoft, and we were all. You know, if you said I instead of we, people would pull you up on it. It was a very very strong culture of leadership and values um, and coming into a culture that was a little bit different. Um, it was a really difficult transition for me, um, but probably one of the best choices I've ever made because, you know, in that role I fell in love with the public service. I fell in love with transport and what it can do and I fell in love with the depth and breadth of what public service can provide. Um, but that, you know, that probably new role and, and obviously doing this with great respect um, was really difficult for me and allowed me to really practice that grit, you know, standing up and saying, no, I'm sorry, this is the behaviour that I will accept or, you know, this is how we will speak with, to each other, this is how we will be as a leadership team. Um, and it gave me a really good opportunity to to test that out and role model it and stand true on all the things that I had said were important to me. <laughs> and I think the end result is that, it, you know, um, Rob Mason, who is was the CEO, is an incredible human being I still keep in contact with. Um, and as a result, we won a customer service award against all the private sector for the work that we in the transformation mm -hmm. space around customer service for Railcorp. And I think, you know, I like to say that was the foundation that now, you know, Gladys led and developed transport for New South Wales. So, um, you know, it had a great result, but it was a, a difficult personal journey for me because of the contrast in the, um, in the organisations and the initial culture. Jeanette, thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, it's, it's such a strong message for, for people, I think, for people. And, and it goes right back to what you said at the beginning about having that deliberate um, path, that deliberate career path and knowing knowing where you wanted to go, that you want to go private public, that you want to go broad and deep. And it reminds me of when when I left corporate and I was on a, a, a you know, a very, very happy <laughs> salary, shall we say, yes. to go go to be self-employed as a, a, a in professional development and people were saying you know you absolutely nuts, you, you're going you know you're taking like an 80 percent salary drop and i said but this exactly. is what i stand for it's your soul work. Is, it's what you do well and, and at the end of the day money you know that's that's a great example of grit there claire that's your grit is that you were brave enough to stand and understand who you were and stand for that. Um, and I think lots of people don't know what to stand for from a grit perspective sometimes because they don't know who they are. They don't know how would you define yourself in a sentence if you're standing in front of a panel, whereas I'm very comfortable over the years of being very clear and now with your great added value I can add my grit and grace in the end of my strengths. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that really helps when it comes to, you know, both our paths of knowing where I need to be to do my best work. Wow, thank you. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted in earlier, but I, I just, I knew that story was underneath there waiting to come out, so thank you. So balancing, mm. so grace, um, you know, looking, looking at the roles that you've performed, uh, the word grace probably wouldn't be no. top of mind <laughs> for some people. So, 
So why is leading with grace such, I, I believe, an essential attribute in 21st century? I completely century? agree. And I think, Claire, again, it starts with the definition because, you know, it's the same thing as kindness and courage. You know, people go, oh, kind means you're soft and you're weak and you're, you know, you're incapable of delivering. That's why you've sort of sort of got to say, oh, kindness and courage. And that's, I think, why you have to say grace and grit. Even though when I define or think about what grace means to me, I see that as a courageous attribute because grace is is how I think about things, how I act, how I carry myself, um, how I am with people, how they would describe me, you know, do I do the right thing? Am I respectful to, you know, the, the deepest person in my organisation right the way through to my minister? Um, do I help them succeed? Do I help them feel good about themselves? Do I know who they are? Do I know their names? Do I know what's important to them? You know, that's what grace is for me. Um, you know, it's about being authentic. And I think authentic is is hard. It really is. You know, yeah. being true to your values, embracing diversity, equity, inclusion, those things are hard. Um yeah. You know, so I see grace as a strength as well. And I think in leadership now, when you look at, you know, some of our amazing role models out there, Jacinta, I always mention her because I think she is doing a phenomenal job of being an incredibly strong, powerful leader who makes very good decisions, but she is inherently kind. Um, and I think people are realising leadership is about somebody following you, Claire. And I'm not going to follow anybody that I don't like and I don't trust and I don't respect and I can't learn from. I'm not going to do that. And I'm lucky because I can make that choice in my career now. But there are people that are coming into the workforce and they have to follow these leaders who don't do it with grace and grit. And you will never get the best out of your person ever if you behave like that. I'm, I'm willing to bet that on anything. So, you know, you've got a whole workforce out there if you don't have leaders with grace and grit who are not working at their best potential, that are scared, that don't trust the organisation because you're not keeping them safe. And that is unacceptable. But more importantly than that, you will never achieve the things that you set out to do as an organisation because you don't have your people's hearts and minds. And all of that is proven. It's proven in the research. It's proven in the literature, Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, all. It's proof um, that if you don't do this, if you don't lead with grace and grit or, or kindness and courage or whatever, you know, people like to define it at, people won't yeah. follow you and people won't yeah. perform. It's simple as that. Couldn't agree with you more, Jeanette. And I'd like to ask a question around, and just from from your experience, looking specifically at women in in senior leadership positions mm. today. Do you think things are changing? Do you think because there has been a sort of pattern in the past of of some female leaders having that pressure and feeling that they needed to be more on the grit side than the grace side? I certainly feel like there's a change, Claire, um, because of what we're seeing. We're seeing successful leaders who have them both. I think the research is really showing that, that now you are getting organisations. And, you know, Microsoft got this back when I worked with them in the early 2000s and the late 90s. Um, you know, they knew that if you could have great leadership and the more people that reported to you, 
you the more time you got to spend being a leader and the more time you were measured on your capability to lead and the more you were developed on your ability to lead you know they got that very early on and you, and you look at them as an organization you know they are you know bill and is doing phenomenal things and the organization is still growing and developing you know and very recently i've worked for boston consulting um they lead exactly like that um which is one of the reasons i like working for them they value you they give you a voice they make sure that as a case team the leader is evaluated every single week on their ability to lead you well every week um, so I think it's changing I definitely do I think there's a bit of lip service to it to be honest um, you know you you get into organizations and they're like oh we have this and we're going to behave like this and then they don't um, and that can make it inherently difficult. So I think there are, I like to call it, some dark places still. Um, but I think there are a lot of great organisations leading the way. And if you know, if we vote at a senior level with our with our voices and our feet, so I won't work for an organisation. I won't stay in an organisation where the things that are important to me and the grace and the grit and the way of leadership is not role modelled right the way through to the top. I just won't do it. So I vote with my, you know, obviously I try and influence that and if I can't I'll vote with my feet um, you know and I think it is it is an obligation of of us as leaders and not just female but you know Telstra Business or Women's Awards give you that platform and it is my deep responsibility to continue leading like that and be known for that and the more senior I become the more opportunity I have to influence that in the people that report to me my peers and the people that I report to so I think it's changing but it's going to have to take a huge amount of momentum for it to continue um, in every organisation. And, and, you know, deep in organisations, you need to be brave as well. If you're not seeing that and you're not, you don't feel safe and you're in an environment that isn't allowing you to be your best self, if you can't vote with your feet, then speak up. Um, there are processes that allow you to do that and be brave enough to say, I'm not accepting this way of being. And it's, it's I'm not saying this. It's, it's the most difficult thing you will ever do. Um, but if we all stay true to ourselves and we all stay true to what's important and people see that we do that, um, that's how we're going to make sure this change lasts forever and it's a strong change. Wow. <laughs> that's a powerful message. I'm glad we're recording this so you can listen back to yourself. Um, there's so many things I'm getting from this. That whole taking the example from, from Microsoft is that how many organisations actually taking leadership as a mm -hmm. core element of yep. to say that you know this is something that is, is that is inherent in everything that we do and as you develop as a leader we will in turn reward Amazing. and develop you. the best model um, i've ever ever had and and they when people say why are you good at what you do it's because i worked for organizations like microsoft who taught me how to be great yeah. at what i did and if i hadn't had that eight yeah. years with them i wouldn't be the leader i am today you know it's a bit of that nature nurture you know i think naturally i'm you know leadership and and who i am the grace and the grit is a little bit of who i am but my ability to use it to be effective came from time in great organisations like that um, and people you know when I'm mentoring people say oh what career choices should I make and I'm you know I'm like go for organisations that make you and go for organisations that break you um, because both those things will make you the best leader you can possibly be. <laughs> wow, <laughs> courage to do it. 
And so, so there's a couple of other things that I picked up in that as well. One from earlier and one more recently that I'd love to explore and give you the choices to which one you talk you want to talk about first. The one is around the the role of mentoring in your whole career and 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 the difference that that's made and the importance of mentoring. And then the other one was around that psychological safety, you know, creating a culture where people um, feel empowered and, and courageous enough to be able to speak up. Could, could you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'll start with mentor because the safety one's going to get me a bit passionate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I right from early on have always had a mentor and I do a mentor up. So someone who can, you know, develop me and I look up to them and they and I aspire to be as amazing as they are. So at the moment, I have the absolute privilege of having the incredible Barbara Pierce, who is um, who runs Alan Pierce's um, organisation, Mr. Body Language, um, and is the most published female um, on factual books in Australia and is a glorious human being. Um, so I, you know, I, I have the honour of having her. So I look up, I find someone that I aspire to be who lives the values I live but will, you know, really hold me to account to who I am and deeply believe in, in my path. And then I have a tribe of women who I suppose I could call peers but I think they're better than my peers. Um, I've developed a tribe of women that I've sort of collected. Um, sounds like beautiful stones, doesn't it? Um, I've, they'll, they'll laugh when they listen to this. Oh, they collect us um but I, co I collected them on the way of my journey of all my work you know I'm I have as part of my tribe my best friend who I worked with Microsoft you know however long ago that was it seems like a lifetime um but in every single organization I've sort of found my soulmate um in regards to the connection they might be completely opposite they teach me something I would never understand or we're so similar we finish each other's sentences so um I have a group of about 18 to 20 of those women in my life that I've had for many years who mentor me, who I check in with, who tell me to stand up when I can't stand up, tell me to sit down when I'm saying too much, you know, <laughs> those sort of women in my life and I can't underestimate that as a mentor. And then I spend a lot of time making sure that I choose two to five, depending on my workload, um, women or men than I will mentor um, so it's almost like a complete circle and and the reason I talk to that Claire is because sometimes the people I mentor teach me more than anyone else in that circle um, so you know that yes. that you know the way they think um, you know those sort of things so I just I call it my circle of, of, of mentoring and, and it's always played a very very important part in my life and my development and it always will and it ebbs and flows with what you need you know I will choose not necessarily the tribe because they're very constant but I'll choose the mentor and the mentoring um, based on where I am and what I need or, or what I can give at that stage so that's the mentor um Actually, can I just interject there? Because you've just brought back a memory for me. So when I first arrived in Australia, I was based on the Sunshine Coast and I joined the Sunshine Coast ah. Business Women's Network. And I, yeah, and I facilitated the mentoring, the oh Business Women's Mentoring Program. We would know everybody. I, work with, I walk with Michelle Hammer a couple of mornings a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Michelle. And, and, and what you just said then about learning mm. from the mentees, and I'm still in touch with so many of them. And my goodness, what a wonderfully reciprocal 
relationship oh, and that's such a good mention Claire because you know and that's something I, I had left out so thank you so much for bringing it um, the first thing I did when I came to join the coast was I joined what well, as part of um, Sunshine Coast Council we were members of Sunshine Coast Business Women's Network but one of the first things I did when I left council is I joined them as a private member because um, that network that support you know Rob White and her team, mm. Paula and Michelle and Min and, you know, all of them are just the most astounding human beings. Um, and I nominated two of my staff for their awards last year and um, Frances Cayley, who runs, who ran my property branch, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal leader, um, won um, the Sunshine yeah. Coast Businesswoman of the Year. Um, and what the opportunities that that's given her to have a voice to, you know, to, to meet, to mentor, is just open doors for her that will, you know, put her in good stead forever. And I'm so grateful for that. So another great thing to your point would be go and find a network um, that allows you to, to meet other amazing women, particularly when you're new to an area. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So thank you. And so... Onto your passion, your your passion of psychological yeah, safety. I've actually been researching it quite a lot lately, um, and and it really resonates with me because again, one of the things I learnt very early on in my career. Um, was and I it's you know it's part of the model of the five behaviors of cohesive teams where you know the bottom of that triangle yeah. is trust um, I'd live and breathe yeah. and have from the minute I had one person report to me you know that triangle sits in every office I have it's sat on every desk I've had because it's sort of fundamental to how I lead because if I can't establish trust you know for the people who work for me the people I work for the people that are around me then I can't get to commitment I can't have courageous conversations with them and I can't you know take responsibility for what I have to do and therefore I can't deliver so I I, I absolutely fundamentally believe that so it's almost the first thing that I well it is the first thing I do in every organization I go into is I spend time establishing trust and I win it by proving that I am trustworthy over and over and over again um, until it's not debatable so I would hand on heart you know have you asked anybody that's ever worked with me for me or I've worked with and said to to them do you trust Jeanette um, and that's so fundamental to me and trust and safety and psychological safety go hand in hand for me because when I'm establishing trust I'm establishing a protection around you Claire that says you are safe with me I will keep you safe you know covert will keep you physically safe that's probably one of the first times I've had to uh, you know besides when I worked in DV you know really think about physical and wellness safety but when I say I'm going to keep you I'm going to build your trust I'm going to keep you safe I'm going to keep your you know you safe in your trust of me I'm going to keep you safe in this organization I'm going to listen to your voice I'm going to make sure you come to work every day and, and you are your best self and if you don't feel safe I'm going to do something about it um and I think that, that that is a non-negotiable as a leader, I really think, and it's a non-negotiable as an organisation. If you have people in your organisation that don't feel safe mentally, you know, if there's some anxiety or there's, you know, they want to work flexible hours because of something, if people do not trust you and do not feel safe, then you are not doing the right thing as an organisation for that person. You know, and nowadays with, you know, mental illness and, and the things that we're starting to become aware of that we need to work with and we need to support people with, those 
those and also non-negotiables. This is the world that we live in. And as a leader, you need to understand those things. You need to understand how to support them and you need to be empathetic and really, really apply your grace and grit around those individual circumstances yeah. and I'm not saying you be all soft and mushy and you know and all that sort of stuff but be empathetic understand what someone else is going through and yeah. do what you need to do as a leader to balance what your organization needs and I'm not underplaying that but balance that safety of that individual in your organization because you think how much time people spend at work if we're not letting them be or or making sure that they are protected by that bubble of psychological safety for how much how many hours in a week that is unacceptable you know you've re you've really got me thinking here though Jeanette and, and so I'm trying to think that that with that as an absolute non-negotiable you must have had experience in the past where you're creating in a way a microculture of of safety mm -hmm. and trust that how how do you then influence mm -hmm. the rest of the yeah, organization that's a really good question and and it's it's difficult you know i think one of the things that has made it easier for me is usually in my corporate portfolio i look after hr um so that really helps me almost create a foundation or a, a part of the organisation that has a great power to seep into the organisation that really can role model and set some benchmarks around psychological safety. Um, you know, in, in the policies that we have, in the way that, you know, you the HRVPs work with their leaders, you know, it's almost like you're able to infiltrate the organisation with people that get it and know how to do it and can support leaders and the rest of the organisation in doing it properly um, so that gives me a very good leverage in regards to being able to do that um, but in organizations where I haven't looked after HR I do find that I I will spend some time influencing and working with my CEO and my peers on the benefits of doing it and talk to them about how you do it because sometimes people just don't know how or it's not intentional that they don't I always go with a you know three strikes and you're out type of relationship you know let me let me show you how let me help you let me stand beside you let me stand behind you let me show you how to do this and let me explain why there's a benefit a business benefit to it to you and let me show you what that business benefit is um, so it just becomes influence but if you influence in the right way that you explain the consequences if you don't keep people safe or you know if if they're refusing to do it, then they get to see what those consequences are. You know, yeah. sometimes it has to be a lived yeah. experience. So I'll give it every single effort I possibly can. And I, as I said, I have a three strikes and you're out rule. Um, and then you have to vote with your feet, right? Speaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just such a wonderful conversation. I just, I want to just go on a, a tangent slightly because I know you're going to be moving to. Um, maybe commuting to Canberra, maybe working. Oh, that's one heaven forbid. What was I? <laughs> and you're going to be joining the uh, consulting group. Tell me what in your in your deliberate um, career portfolio. What, what are you going to give, and what are you going to get? Question. I am. Um, 
I love Boston Consulting Group. They remind me of my time at Microsoft in regards to their culture and the way that they function and the way they treat me as an individual who works for them. Um, so that is a very big choice for me in working for an organisation that value me, that hear my voice, that develop me. You know, the case teams I get to work on are just the most, you know, incredibly highly intelligent, capable um, human beings I've probably ever worked with, to be honest. Um, and I have great respect for their principles. They really get an organisation and feel great value. I've worked with them for many, many years, starting all the way back in Railcorp. They were the ones that helped me um, do the transformation for customer service in Railcorp. And for many years after that, I would ring them and ask for help on something and they would just help me. They would give me great advice or they would guide me in the right direction. And I value that from a consultant's perspective. I think that that shows that they really care about what they do. Um, as I said, I've made a really informed choice, Claire, to do the depth and breadth. I've had a great experience doing local council. I loved local council. I loved touring the toilets in Budrum with Ted. I loved going up to Mapleton, Mapleton with the most darling Rojo. I loved Jenny's, you know, everywhere she went, everybody knew who she was, you know, Steve Robinson yeah. and his passion for his area and the things that he's done that I still drive past and think, oh, Steve did that. And, and I loved that. That was just such a great experience. You know, I know this coast. I do that fantastic Roz quiz on the, in the Sunshine Coast Daily on Saturday and I, I beat the whole family hands down because I know where the roads and mountains are, I know where this is and, and, and that was just such a great learning experience for me to really and I wanted to do local so that I could really touch the grassroots and I, I've, you know, and that's what I had an opportunity to do. But the opportunity to go and work for Boston, you know, a, a team that have great leadership, accountability and intellect. Um, Prime Minister and Cabinet is run by one of the best bosses I've ever had, um, Phil Gajans, um, who worked um, running New South Wales Treasury when I was there. And the Finn Times called him the greatest financial mind of our times. And he, he is a leader who balances grace and grit. I'm not quite sure if he'll like me explaining him that way. But um, the reason that I say that is because he's smart, but he's kind. He's respectable. He's capable. He's a great learner. He's never had any arrogance to ask you what you think and I am always deeply humbled to be asked what I think by a man like him. Um, so I am honoured yeah. to go and do whatever it takes to help um, Prime Minister and Cabinet develop, deliver the APS reforms. But I love transformation, Claire. You know, um, the work that we're going to be working on the reform office is um, the APS reforms for the Prime Minister, which is developing a world-class Australian public service. So the diversity and breadth of the transformation work from, you know, workplace and culture to structures and op models to citizen and business engagement to, I think, investment and resourcing to policy, data, innovation and productivity. Um, so the scope of that transformation is is endless and and what a great career opportunity for me to continue transformation which is my sole work um, but to do it um, across the whole APS and to do it working for an organization I love and a boss I respect it gets no better than that does it I'm prepared to go to minus one for that Claire that if we could open a border please yeah. so I could get on a plane please yeah. premier that, that would be greatly be appreciated so I can go and do the work that that I want to do for the organisation I would like to work for, please. And I, I can just, I can hear the passion, I can hear the energy and, and the enthusiasm 
in in that opportunity and and I think that um I think Phil and the team are lucky to have you. And you've got to go, you know, back to my point, Claire, where I said go work for organisations that make you and go work for organisations that break you. Um, You need to, you know, I purposely in my career choose, you know, right now I want to go work, um, you know, for something that lights me up and in an organisation I feel safe in. Um, And, you know, you make those choices depend on the ebbs and flows of your career and that's important things to do because, it, you know, it, it, restores you um, when you have someone who says to you, you know, what do you think? Because you think, wow, what I think is valuable. Um, And that keeps you on that path of that deep belief that you're bringing value to an organisation. And talking about making choices, I know that you're going to have to go soon. Can you share with our listeners why you've got to go with the choice that you've made? <laughs> yes, I'm on, because I've got some time off between the roles because I'm waiting to be able to fly to Canberra. I've been volunteering for the COVID care army um, and they send you each week or sometimes fortnightly an email that says, look, you know, can you do this for us or you could, can you do that for us? Um, so at the moment um, they're picking up um, letters from the local school and delivering it to the local nursing home. Um, so to have an opportunity to do things like that in your life is also so good for you because it makes you realise what reality is like and helps you take a breath and all those really important things at the end of the day that complete you. So, you know, I'm not quite sure how long the COVID army will go for, but it was such a wonderful initiative to be a part of and and perspective is everything Um, it really is and be kind you know covert was amazing in what it taught us to you know i'm positivity i think is my seventh strength so i tend Mm. to see everything Mm. you know um from a positive perspective anyway so for me covert um was you know i got to have breakfast and lunch and dinner with my family every day my husband's are flying and out so you know we got to be a family we'd go on family adventures together and you know so for me it was just such a huge benefit to have time together um, and appreciate the things that we took for granted restaurants and going away and you know things that you just were part of your normal everyday life. My positivity is dropping a bit now because I want to get on a plane to go to work. <laughs> I'll have to um, have to figure out what the other side of the coin is for that at the moment. Probably forcing me to take time to do things I would never normally do. <laughs> so, so to listen to to, to wrap things up, um, the, I've just got so many golden nuggets from this conversation. It's just um, I'm so fired up. And it's, uh, it's probably a crazy question to ask because I don't know that there is one. But anyway, if there were, if there was one key message around leading with grit and grace that you could leave our listeners with, if there was one golden nugget that, that topped it all, that, that, that wrapped it all up, what would your last mm. message be? It's hard to get one, isn't it? You know, when I thought, and I know you'd given me this yeah. question before, but I tend to, with the questions, try not to prep them too much because I think sometimes then it doesn't come from the heart. Um, I think it's better just to yeah. respond with your gut sometimes when someone asks you a question. Yeah. So, you know, I think for me, I think it's that you can't balance grace and grit if you don't know who you are. Um, so for me, if I think about the path I took to be able to talk to you and, and hand on heart, say, you know, being a, lead, a leader that balances great and grit 
grace and grit makes me a successful leader and I know that with my heart but how did I get there I think I got there by understanding who I was and believing in that um, and following that path um, I think I got there with being very clear about what those two words meant to me and then and then living those words so you know brave gutsy and courageous you know can I give you multiple examples of where I have demonstrated that well yes I can um grace can I give you multiple of examples where you know I've realized with great power comes great responsibility and yes I can um so I think it's about define, knowing who you are, defining what those words mean to you um, and figuring out how you can live them um, just in your every single day and test them. You know, don't do something that doesn't work for you. That's why I say define them yourself yeah. and then test them and see if, yeah. you know, by being that type of leader, you get a better trust foundation, that people follow you more, that people perform better, that people trust you and feel safe and to be their best self you know test it um, and see if it works for you but you know provide a grit or a strength or a backbone that allows people to look at you and say wow you know she he is so resilient and they recover quickly how do I how do I do that um, and that's why I always share my personal story because you know I don't want people to think you know you get to be the Telstra businesswoman of the ward because you know of the year because you you know you were brought up in private schools and you never had anything tough and not that that's a bad thing but I want people to realize you can come from anywhere you can make something of yourself yeah. and sometimes when you come from somewhere that was dark um it allows you to realize that nothing and for me you know not much scares me nowadays um which is my grit, but I have such a deep, incredible empathy for how people feel, um, which is my grace because I know how terrible it feels to be hurt or bullied or, you know, I really do. And um, so I never want anyone in my care to ever feel like that ever. Um, so those two things just are who I am. So, you know, use your experiences to shape who you are and what those things mean to you and then use them and test them and see if they work and if they work keep on doing it but as leaders at our level of seniority clear you have a responsibility um, for those people the amount of time that they spend with you you every single person will look back in their lives and say right from their teachers we all know our favorite teachers names right I still do I when I went to school but you know I still remember my favorite teacher I can still name my favorite bosses um you know I can still name the people who had the biggest influence on my ability to believe in myself throughout my work I can name the organizations where I felt I was doing my best work um and don't underestimate how much how important that is at the end of someone's life that they can do that you know mm -hmm. and I was just recently asking for recommendations for my website and um, someone who was my graduate a long time ago reached out and said oh, I'll do one and I read his and I cried because it was so beautiful and it said, you know, you've influenced my life to this day by the way that you led me and now I lead like that. Um, and that for me, look, I'm teary, um, that for me, you know, and that's 15 years later or whatever it is now, um, that for me is more important than anything in the world because I've created an army of people who will keep others safe. Um, and if that's the last thing that I do, then I'd be happy with that. What a wonderful legacy. Thank you. Jeanette, 
It was a joy. It was an inspiration. I think we need another oh, we podcast do. in the future because you just share. Oh, no my more fake smiles because that's. I know, I know. There was, there's just, there's just so much. I think you might be my first ever return <laughs> guest. In, in the meantime, go do your wonderful work with the COVID care family. All the very best for your move to minus one in Canberra. <laughs> go well, stay well. Thank you so much.